for being uh, jailed because he couldn't pay the rent for the inn, etc. So this innkeeper and his whole family was thrown into jail right before Yom Kippur, a couple of days before Yom Kippur. And uh, they owed 300 rubles to the Potterts, the local Polish landowner. And the, 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 the dungeon wasn't a very nice place to be at all. So there was a young Chassid of Rav Levi this was again in the city of Berdichev, who decided that he would take upon himself to try to raise the money for, to get this family out of, uh, out of jail. So he went around from place to place. He got a few kopecks here and a few kopecks here and a few kopecks here. And he had, you know, a 20, 18, 18 rubles and he wasn't getting very far. Erev Yom Kippur, in uh, late morning, early afternoon, he walked past the inn on his way to try to raise some money from one of the local gvir. He walked past the inn and he noticed there were a bunch of guys sitting in the inn playing cards and drinking heavily. Not the most chassidish uh, guys in town, obviously, is Ervium Kipper. So he walked in and he told them, you know, you like this inn? You said, you like the innkeeper? Oh, a great guy, okay. So I tell you what, he's in jail. We need, uh, we need money. There's three tables here. I want you to give me 100 rubles to get him out of jail. So they said, okay, we'll give you 100 rubles on one condition. So what's the condition? So they took a cup like this and they filled it up with Zex and Nines again. They filled it up with serious smashka, and they said, you drink this, we'll give you a hundred rubles. So he's thinking, it's Erev Yom Kippur. I have to fast tonight, tomorrow, I have to daven. How can I possibly drink this stuff? On the other hand, it's a hundred rubles to get the family out. That's a third of the way. You know what? The family's more important. He downed it, really hurt. And uh, he took the hundred rubles. He walked over to the next table. He was a, you know, a, a stout young guy, so it didn't completely wipe him out. He walked over to the next table and he said, okay, Hebrew, you saw what your friends did. I want you to do the same, 100 rubles to help get the, the, the innkeeper out of the inn. It's your inn. This is the place where you sit all day. So they said, okay, no problem. We'll do what they did if you do what you did. So he said, what do you mean? He said, drink another cup. I said, come on, I can't drink another cup. If I drink another cup, then, I, then I'll, I'll, I'll pass out. I'll have, I'll have no Yom Kippur, I'll, I'll, it'll be terrible. So they said, no, that's the deal. But by this time, the first cup was starting to have a little hashpah in him, and he realized that his Yom Kippur wasn't as important as the, as the welfare of this whole family, and it was certainly worth giving up his Yom, Yom Kippur for the welfare of the family. So, so he took the cup, and he downed it, and, uh, and it, certainly this one was, uh, it affected him a little more than the first one. And he, uh, he wobbled over to the third table to, get to, to see if he could get another 100 rubles. So, of course, the same thing happened at the third table. He said to them, I want to, you know, you, you do what they did, 100 rubles. They said, no problem, we'll do what they did if you do what you did. So, come on, if I do that, then I, then I, I won't even be awake. I'll, 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 I'll be, I'll pass out. So, they said, look, that's the deal. So, he said, okay. So, then he addressed all three tables. said, I'm going to drink this third cup, and I'm going to pass out because I can feel it already. The stuff is pretty strong. But I want you guys to make me a deal. I'm going to drink the third cup. I'm going to take the 100 rubles. We'll now have 300 rubles. I want you to carry me to the house of the Parats. I want you to carry me to that house. And I want you to, to give the uh, 300 rubles to the Parats so that that family will get out of jail. And then I want you to carry me to the shul of Rav Levi Yitzhak and lay me down on the back bench so that at least if I can't 
daven on Yom Kippur, at least I'll sleep in the shul on Yom Kippur. Fine. So he said, okay. So he took the third cup, drank it, took the 300 rubles and passed out. They were, you know, honorable thieves. So they picked him up and they schlepped him to the house of the Paritz and he gave the 300 rubles. He was semi-conscious at that point. He gave, gave the 300 rubles to the, to the, uh, to the Paritz and the family got out, of, got out of jail. The family walks past. They're obviously extremely excited. They have a few hours to go clean themselves up a little and get ready for Yom Kippur and they're out of jail. They go home. They're so excited. So they walk by and they see him, and he doesn't exactly look like the serious young Hasidic scholar that they generally recognize. He's pushing absolutely blotto drunk, Arab Yom Kippur. I mean, he looks that way. So they can't quite figure that out, but they say, okay, fine. And they, you know, they're a little soaked. They're so happy to go home, they're not noticing that too much. And away they go. They take him and they put him on the back bench of uh, Rev. Leviatsuk Shul, and they go back to wherever they went back. He's out like a light. Kol Nidra, everybody comes in to Kol Nidra. What happens, Kol Nidra? So of course, you open up the iron, take out all the Sifri Terra, and the people stand holding the Sifri Terra while the Chazim says Kol Nidra. He's in the back of the shul, he opens up his eyes. He sees everybody standing outside with Sifri Terra. Must be Simchas Jumps off the bench, runs up, grabs a safer terror, and starts dancing around. So, of course, it's Yom Kippur, it's called Nidra. It's, it's, it's the most, they call it solemn. It's the most solemn day of the year. So, people are trying to grab him, and Levi says, Just leave him, let him do whatever he wants. Just follow him around so that he doesn't fall down with a safer terror. So, he's dancing around in the shul for a couple of minutes until finally passes out, they grab him, they grab the Sefer Torah, they pick him up, put him back on the bench, they give the Sefer Torah to the person who was holding it, and they continue with Kol Nidra. At the end of Kol Nidra, the Hasidim is, you know, the, 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 the Hasidim have a shprach with Rebbe, it's a Rebbe, how could you possibly let this drunken fool destroy the solemnity of, 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 of Kol Nidra? And Rebbe Yitzhak said, let me tell you something. Elul and Tishrei is like a ladder. We begin the first steps in Elul. We take a few steps up the ladder. Then there's Rosh Hashanah. Then there's Aserus Yom Then there's Yom Kippur. Then there's the days in between Yom Kippur and Sukkot. We're preparing for Sukkot. Then there's the whole Chag of Sukkot. And the top rung of the ladder is Simchas After all of that work, the place we get to is Simchas this Jew, because of his unbelievable mysterious nefesh for those Yidden, that he was willing to give up his spiritual experience of Yom Kippur for the physical welfare of that family, he skipped all the steps and he really was holding by Simchus Torah. So when he took that Sefer Torah and started dancing around, that was his Simchus Torah. So I didn't want to interrupt, because he was on a level beyond all of us. So if that story, I mean if, since that story is such a story, so... We can learn about Simchas Torah now, and maybe we're not going to skip any rungs. There's no such things as skipping in in, uh, in these things. But Chaim uh, Chaim. Okay, we'll get as far as we can go, and you'll see why we're learning this. This is one of those sikhs in Chelik. We talked about Chelik Dalad. We talked about Chelik Alapreis Gimel Dalad yesterday. So I figured I should be a man of my word. And we'll learn something in Chelek Dalit because, again, you'll see just how fundamental this is. 
We'll go, uh, we'll go relatively quickly and we'll uh, see what we can see. The last class of Zman. Haposik Yaakov. Right, so the, the, this Pasuk, the famous Pasuk, Taratsivalanu, right, that the, the Moshe commanded us the Torah, it's a Merasha, it's an inheritance to Yaakov. Hanemar Beparshas Brocha, which of course comes from Parshas Zesa Brocha, the last Parsha in the Torah. Who, Devara Torah Rishon, Shemaschilim Lelamed Yelid Yehudi. This is the first thing we teach a Jewish child. When, we, when a Jewish child starts to speak, we teach him Taratsivalanu Moshe. So we teach him. Right? That's what Chazal say. This Pasuk Tzivah speaks. This actually, this this sicha that we're learning now was said exactly a year before <coughs> the Mimer slash sicha that we just finished yesterday. This was said in Tavshin Chav Beis. That was said in Tavshin Chav Gimel. That's speaking about the Torah as it was received me Meshe Rabbeinu. Shekibla Misina, the Meshe Rabbeinu received it from Sinai. Shetera Zu Oisat Sivalanu Meshe. This is the Torah that Meshe commanded us. Kailelis Besecha includes in it as Kola Torah, the whole Torah. Gam Kol Mashetomid Vasik Osid Lachadish. Also, as Chazal say, all that any great student. In the future will be Mechadesh, any new novel idea that will be expressed in the Torah ultimately was given to Mesha Misina. Right? Every single aspect of the Torah was given to Mesha. That doesn't mean that Mesha himself was consciously aware of every idea, because we know, of course, that's not the case. Mesha Rabbeinu sat in Rabbi Akiva's shir, and when and <coughs> Rabbi Akiva explained things that Mesha himself didn't understand. Moshe asked, why did you give the Torah to, to, through me? Look at this great scholar, he's greater than me, he understands things I don't understand. The Abraham said, just wait, just wait, just wait. Right? And of course, at the end of the shir, what happened? The students asked, and what's the source of this amazing halacha that you just taught us, Rebbe? Saying to Rabbi Kiva, what did Rabbi Kiva say? Halacha l'Mesha misina. It's something that Moshe gave to us from our sina. So Moshe was the source of it all. And that's the Torah that Moshe gave us. Vafilu as penimius the Torah. Even Panimius Torah, Shem Mashiach Yegala, that Mashiach will reveal, even that level of Torah was ultimately given to Meshur Benu. There is nothing new in the Torah. There will never be anything new in the Torah. Even though we might reveal things, they were there. We've talked a number of times about Chassidus in general, right? That when the Friedrich Rebbe was sitting in a, in a hotel lobby in Vienna, in Austria, Austria was always, and to this day, was a, was an extremely Hasidically challenged place. So the, the, the people there were asking the Rebbe, what's Hasidus? What is, what's new about Hasidus? The Rebbe took a lamp. The lamp had a lampshade at the top of the lampshade. Of course, there's a little hole. He tip, tilted the lamp. Is there something in there? I'm not going to tilt it very much. He tilted, you see, this is Elamazi. You never know if there's anything in there. The clay is so thick, it hides everything. Right? That the... the, the the, the, the hole shone on the ceiling. He said, you see those figurines on the ceiling? Central European ceiling, right? Plaster of Paris stuff, all sorts of stuff up there. You see what's up there? So they said, yes. I said, well, was it there before? He said, of course. Did you notice it? He said, no. You didn't notice it until I shone the light on it, right? I said, right. Okay. That's what it is. 
which was always there. All these ideas were always there in the Torah. It's just Chassidah shines a light on them, meaning certain aspects of Torah open up and reveal things that were always there. Okay. Regarding the revelation of Torah, there's differences. There are things in Torah that have already been revealed. There are things that will only be revealed later in the future. When Mashiach starts teaching us his sweet Torah, we've got a taste of it. It's called Chassidus. That's exactly what the Baal Shem Tov taught us, was that Chassidus is a, is a, is a forspice of the, of, the, of the Torah of Mashiach. But ultimately, when Mashiach is revealed completely and totally, so there'll be a, a whole new Torah revealed. But it's not, it's not a new Torah, Kadosh Baruch says, but it's not a new Torah. It's the same Torah, just as if it's new. Even that which is revealed there, it's not going to be a new Torah, even that's what the Pasuk says, that's what Yishayahu says, right? But it's not a new Torah, Mamish. Matan Torah lo yachzer alatzmai. Matan Torah won't happen again. It happened once, and that Torah contains everything. Kiim gilui shel haTorah shetzivel anu Meisha. It's a revelation of the Torah that Meisha commanded us. Kloimar to say, Teichan a pasuk who. The content of this pasuk is sheyesh ledas sheTorah. Kechol shekvar lamdu. All that you've already learned. And that you will learn. That which you've understood and will understand. It's all included in that which Moshe commanded us. Therefore we understand that everything that I know is only one little portion of the Torah. There's depth beyond depth. There's no end. Lefize, based on this Ketzet Yitochen, how could it be Sheinyonim Koya Mukim Loimdim Nirmaz Lefachos Im Yelet Koten Beyesis? So why is this the first thing we teach a child? What's what does this pasuk mean? This pasuk helps it. the Rebbe is going to talk about it on a deeper level as we go further in the Sikha, So I'm not going to say it. I'll let the Rebbe say it because he's going to say it better than me. But the 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 depth of Torah is beyond anything we can imagine. Torah is Elokus. Torah is the Eibushter. So, so, so how, why are we telling that to a little child? Tzivalanu Meisha is, is a pasuk that helps us understand the true depth of Torah. So what's the shaykhus of a little child to such a thing? I think the Rebbe's answer will be better than your answer. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to wait for the Rebbe. No, I, I was asking, but the, the Rebbe, because the Rebbe is asking, not because... How can it be that such things we teach, at least a hint, im yelet koten I'm a small child. He's just now beginning to turn. Look, I see the little question mark. There you go. See, I wasn't kidding. The rabbi asked the question. It's a little question mark there. Right? The general way of learning, and this is obviously something that everybody understands intuitively, and you've also experienced it in, in all of your education. It is from something simple to something more difficult. Literally light to heavy, but...
the elephant. The whole elephant. That's Gvura. So Gvura is? The Abish is Gvura. What's the, what was the Abish able to do? You know what the Abish is able to do? It's the most amazing thing imaginable. See this? This is a finite cup, right? What's the ultimate source of this finite cup? Infinite light. The Abishter is so powerful. He can take infinite and turn it into finite. Wow. How do you do that? I don't know. I can't. He can. Why? Because he's beyond both. He's not infinite. He's not finite. And so he can take infinite and turn it into finite. If he were infinite, he couldn't possibly turn it into finite. That's why the philosophers who ask stupid questions about how can an infinite God create a finite world, that's a stupid question, because he's not infinite. It's like saying, how can a, a dog create the world? Well, he didn't. Right? Silly question. Dog can't create the world. An infinite God can't create a world because he's infinite, which means he can't be the source of finite, because infinite and finite are two completely different states of reality. An infinite number is not a finite number, by definition. You can round it off, now it's a finite number. But it's, if it's infinite, it's infinite. What's God? God is so far beyond both that he can take infinite and finite and make them dance together, which is called this world, and all the worlds, but this world specifically. Okay, fine. Just like you, stronger than the magnet, can take two north poles and push them together. Why? Because you're more powerful than this north pole or this north pole. So it's not, not a problem for you to push them together. Naturally, they repel each other. Fine. Okay, well, I'm stronger than them, so I go like that. That's not a problem. If I'm not stronger than them, can this magnet attract this magnet? No. Can't do it. Why? Because the nature of this magnet is to repel this magnet and vice versa. So they can't possibly attract each other. Impossible. What can bring them together? Something stronger than both. Four-year-old. Okay. That's what God did. He's so cool. It's something that a person... I'm sorry, we got that. We finished that. Further, let's see if we can get as far as we can. Five minutes. But you have the whole sicha. Learn the sicha. You've got until Simcha's third. Learn the sicha. Milvad im lezman me'uchar. Right? It'll be pushed off. The acquisition of this knowledge. That the Torah is the Chokhmah of the Abishter and he and his wisdom are one. Right? <coughs> in addition to the fact that it'll be lacking the foundation in all aspects of Torah that he'll learn until he understands this idea. I mean, his learning will be an improper learning. In addition to this, that if he becomes accustomed to learn Torah only in a way of Hasoga, meaning, again, obviously we have to understand it, but if he thinks that that's all there is, meaning he might actually think that when he learns Rava and Abaya, he actually understands what Rava was saying, he thinks that he really got to the true depth of Rava's understanding when he's learning Pshat and in Machlekes, Rava and Abaya. First of all, even else, the Seichel of Rava, I couldn't possibly get to the depths of Rava. Rava's Rava. How could I possibly understand what Rava understands? 
But even on that level, what's Rava? Rava was chosen by the Abishter for whatever reason, those people, until the closure of Talmud Bavli, continuing in the Rishonim to a certain degree, but certainly the closure of Talmud Bavli, when there's a, a certain closure of Tarsh B'chsav, and Tarsh B'chsav was closed right away, but Tarsh Balpet, that explains Tarsh B'chsav. Once there's that closure of Talmud Bavli, and the Rambam discusses those 40 generations from Meshur Abenu until Ravashi, and then goes back, right? Teacher, student, teacher, student, the Hagdom of the Rambam, the Mishnah Torah. So look at it. We've mentioned this so many times. I don't know how anybody, whether anybody's ever done it, but we've mentioned it many times. You guys don't seem to be as curious as you should be, right? That, that Meshur Rabbeinu all the way down to Ravashi, 40 generations. The Rambam lists the 40 generations from the top to the bottom and then starts from the bottom and goes right back up. Ravashi, learn from, we'll learn from, we'll learn from, we'll learn from, Yoshua to Meshur. Okay. Rava is the mouthpiece for the atzmus of the Abishter that's on the page of the Gemara. That's what Torah is. Rava's not simply an idea in Seichel. It's also that, but it's not simply that. And if I learn Rava only in Seichel, so I miss the point of who Rava is. Rava's, the Gemara is a piece of elokus. It's living elokus. Yes, I, 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 I approach it, I encounter it with my seich. But what is it? It's the Ebishter. The is not just Tagma Torah Shabbat, also Torah Shabbat. It also came from Meisha Misina. Same thing. Torah Tziva Lanu Meisha. Masada Yoshua. What's that? Torah Shabbat. Meisha Kibbal Torah Misina. Masada Yoshua. Was a Torah Shabbat, not Torah Shabbat. He didn't give Torah Shabbat to Yeshua, he gave it to everybody. Torah Shabbat, he gave it to Yeshua. Yikshaloyachakach, it'll be difficult for him afterwards, Likbeya Benavsha, to establish in his soul, Esanocha Shatari Nailis Lagame Mirsechel. If he learns the wrong way first, he'll have a hard time uprooting that to learn the right way. So I'd be saying something so astounding here. Kiyodua, Shasechel Master, Alabachinat Smusis and Nailis Minasechel. Seichel, by definition, conceals a level of reality, the essential level that's beyond Seichel. That's the nature of Seichel. Nature of any Kli. What does a Kli do? A Kli reveals one specific aspect of reality. What else does it do? It conceals every other aspect of reality. This Kli reveals the green in light, the fact that light can express itself as green through blue and yellow merging together. What does it conceal? Every other color in the spectrum conceals it completely. You would never know there's such a color. Infinite amount of possibilities of color are, are concealed by the revelation of this one specific color. That's the nature of a kli. That's what Seichel does. Seichel takes, by definition, I have to deal with, in, with finite reality, so I, I, I might allow the Seichel to, to obscure the infinite and beyond infinite of it. To be very careful, so that's why the Rebbe says the first thing you tell a child is to, is, is, is to make sure that he doesn't do that with his Seichel. Let's finish the Eish and we'll stop. Therefore, we have to establish this basic principle when he's still a child. First thing you teach your child is Torah Zelokus. Okay. You want to understand? Yeah, 2 plus 2 is 4. Okay, you teach him that 2 plus 2 is 4 in Torah, but now he appreciates 2 plus 2 is 4 in a completely different way. He's still just a kid. 
Beseder, but kids understand things in an, in an unsophisticated way, which is actually very positive sometimes. When he grows older, teach the child in accordance with his way. So when he's older, he won't turn away from it. Afterwards, that he'll learn Torah, he'll have a deeper, more sophisticated intellectual comprehension of the Torah. He won't let that intellect obscure the essence of the Torah. This comprehension of the fact that the Torah is the Ebishter, or I'm sorry, this comprehension of the, of the actual Seichel of the Torah, Chadura will be penetrated with the Yerushimayim and Kabbalah soul that he was taught as a child. That brings with it this basic principle. Now, the, the Rebbe goes on and on, he talks about uh, the fact that uh, <coughs> we, we, the, the next ois is all about the fact that we dance with the Torah when it's covered up. Why? Because we're not dancing with the Seichel of the Torah, we're dancing with the essence of the Torah. <laughs> That's the whole idea. We don't learn Torah on Simchus Torah. Of all days, you should sit down and learn Torah all day. There are people who do that, they miss the point completely. Completely. The whole idea is to, learn, to dance with the Torah, mitzad the Torah, not mitzad anything the Torah does. It's like a parent dancing with their child. They're not, they're not celebrating the child's accomplishments. They're celebrating the essential existence of the child. Right? Then, then in Dalit, the Rebbe, <coughs> the Rebbe explains the, 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 the pitgum that we are the feet of the Torah. Right? The Torah wants to dance, so we're its feet. Right? Another pitgum about Sinkhus. You should learn, learn the rest of the seat. It's such an amazing seat. It's, just, it's, it's amazing. It's Pashit amazing. We'll see uh, some of you in uh, next month. Some of you will probably be with Rabbi Kaufman. Some of you will stay here. Uh, it should be uh, with a lot of Hatzlocha. And your davening and your kippur should go well for you, your families, everybody. And uh, we'll make it happen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.